You're listening to Inward with Rabbi Joey Rosenfeld on the Shefa Podcast Network. Join Rabbi Joey as he guides us through the world and major works of Kabbalah, Hasidic masters, and Jewish philosophy, shedding light on the inner life of the soul. Okay, so Bezras Hashem, tonight we're going to be continuing our series of Shirim on the world of Shabbos. And like we spoke about last week, we're still preparing ourselves to enter into Shabbos. And this week's class is going to be the second Shir out of three on the Indian of Arab Shabbos. Now, what we spoke about last week was that as the darkness of the week, the doubts of the week, the difficulty of the week, the shtus of the week, as Chazal tell us, that cloud the mind, that block knowledge, that block the ability to see clearly. Even though our eyes are opened, we can't see through the thick mists of this world. And in order to move away from that, we have to gird ourselves and strengthen ourselves for the very real fact that as Erev Shabbos comes in and the death of the week begins to take hold, Darkness and all of its synonyms and all of its practical applications to us in our individual lives as well as our collective experiences begin to attempt to surge and to block out the possibility of entering into Shabbos. Because as we know, as our Svarim HaKadoshim tell us, as Chazal tell us, that on Shabbos the fires of Gehenim pause, that the Neshamos that find themselves in Gehenim and we know that Gehenna or hell is not simply a concept of he'edar, of lack, or negation of experience as the Maharal describes. It's not simply an experience that stands at the ready, lo aleinu, to be experienced in whatever way it is at the end of one's life. But a person can also find themselves living in hell, as Rabbi Nachman told us. As Rabbi Nachman says so powerfully, and we've taught this teaching in the past, that he believes very much in Ulam Haba. He doesn't have a difficult time believing in a world to come, in a station where a person will be rewarded for their efforts. What he has a more difficult time believing in is Ulam Haza, this world, because all he sees, says Rabbi Nachman, is suffering. The rich suffer, the poor suffer, the sick suffer, the, health su- the healthy suffer. And this suffering blocks out the possibility of Ulam Haza, because all I see, Rabbi Nachman says, is Gehenim. So when Shabbos comes, there's a psika to Ganeda, to Gehenim. Gehenim stops. The fires of Gehenim stop burning. And a person is able to enter into Kedusha. And as the fires see that they're going to be extinguished, they begin to rage even stronger, which is the secret of what the Kamana Rebbe taught us, which is that the biggest darkness in a person's life, the biggest irida in a person's life, comes about specifically on Erev Shabbos because commensurate with the level of Kedusha that is incoming, commensurate with the power of faith and Yishavadas, which is incoming, so too will the darkness that precedes it 
strengthen itself. The Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh teaches us, and this is written in the Toldos Yaakov Yosef in a few places, and it's brought down by other Talmidim as well, that there's a Gemara that says, Hames Be'erev Shabbos Simen Yafelo. That someone who dies on Erev Shabbos, it's a Simen Yafel, it's a good sign. So the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh asks the simple question of why is that a good sign? You know, death is never a good thing. But what's specific about death on Erev Shabbos that's unique? And the way the Talmidim of the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh describe or explain this concept is that Misa, like we said in the name of Pinchas Karitzer, or killing oneself in Kedusha, or giving oneself over in self-abandonment to the point where we kill our own desires, our own will, or our own expectations, is an aspect of bittel, it's an aspect of self-nullification in the eyes of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And someone who kills themselves on Erev Shabbos, someone who experiences that bittel, that hispatlus, that self-abandonment into the incoming lights of Kedusha, that are burgeoning and growing at the horizon of our experience in Erev Shabbos, it's a simen yafe because it means you're prepared for Shabbos. That a person has to die, like Rav Pinchas Karatzer pointed out, before entering into Elam Haba. So too a person has to experience a taste of death on Erev Shabbos in order to enter into the Elam Haba, which is Shabbos. What we're going to be discussing tonight, Be'ezra Sashem, is another aspect of Erev Shabbos, not simply the hiskabrits of the darkness that takes place on Erev Shabbos, which a Jew needs to gird themselves with an extra power from the incoming light of Shabbos. But we're going to speak a little bit about what the Arizal tells us about Erev Shabbos, some of the hachano, some of the preparations in their phenomenological form, what they might mean for us in 2020, in order to gain a little bit of insight into what we're doing on Erev Shabbos, which ultimately will give us a deeper taste of what happens on Shabbos itself. The Kamarna Rebbe, in the same place where he speaks about how the greatest darkness that he experienced in his entire life was typically on Erev Shabbosos. On the eve of Shabbos, the Shabbos was about to come in because again, commensurate with the light that is incoming, so too the darkness will strengthen itself. The Kamarna Rebbe says that this is why Erev Shabbos is called Erev Shabbos. Erev melashon irbuvia, that Erev is the same language as confusion and the combination of different things. Now, when things are singular, when things are clearly themselves and explicitly themselves in their isolation, it's possible to look at something and understand what that thing represents and how we're meant to engage with that thing. But when there's an irbuvia, when things begin to combine themselves together so that it's no longer clear what is what, or what is up or what is down, or what comes from one ingredient and what comes from the other ingredient, that's when a person begins to enter into a space of doubt. And on Erev Shabbos, there's an ibuvya, there's a combination, an admixture of the whole, of mundanity, of the brokenness and the foolishness and the anxiety of the week, as well as a, a slight taste or a smell a smell, if you will, of Shabbos's incoming scent. And so this admixture with these two elements of Chol and Shabbos interacting as one gives birth to an irbuvia, it gives birth to a confusion of sorts, a confusion that stems from the fact that I no longer know exactly what it is that I am dealing with. I no longer know where it is that I stand. Because anytime I stand with an assumption that it's one thing, the doubts of my mind awaken to tell me that it could be something else. 
And this happens back and forth. Now, this irbuvia, this sense of confusion that emerges out of the admixture of good and evil is not some symptom of Erev Shabbos. It's not a symptom of the death of the week. As if to say that because the week is ending and because Shabbos is coming, there's a natural experience of irbuvia. As if it were some state of mind that a person should best ignore or push away or repress. But rather the irbuvia, the iruv of Shabbos, that admixture of Shabbos that creates confusion, is constitutive to the very experience of what Erev Shabbos is meant to be. That the very nature of Erev Shabbos, the, the din or the halacha of what the day of Erev Shabbos is, is a day of irbuvia. That's how it's meant to be. It's a day of admixture. It's a day of confusion where a person can no longer discern what is what. And there's a confusion that assaults the mind, which gives birth to a worrying of the heart which creates a certain chaos within the soul and a running and a returning back and forth, which we explained last week even has a halachic application to the extent that somebody who causes damages running back and forth to and fro in the shuk on Erev Shabbos is actually no longer liable to pay because that's the normative experience of Erev Shabbos. This irvuv, this irbuvia, this admixture and this confusion, this cloudy nature, this concealment that blocks the mind's eye from being able to discern exactly what is what and what is up and what is down is the very experience of what Erev Shabbos is meant to be. Because when we try and understand what we're doing as we transition from the broken down palace of the week to the rebuilt temple of Erev Shabbos, as those gates that are closed all week begin to open again, there's a necessary transitionary point, a liminal space, a mamutza, an intermediary level that needs to be comprised of both aspects that it seeks to connect. So if Erev Shabbos serves as the bridge between the death of the week and the life of Shabbos, so then on a certain level, Erev Shabbos needs to be comprised of both death and life not in terms of a contradictory nature where one pushes the other out of the way in order to take its rightful place as the true distinction of the day, but rather, as we've spoken about so often in our shirim, the secret of Jewish faith, which is a paradox, where the death and the life of Erev Shabbos are not a contradiction in terms that need to push one out of the other, but rather it's a paradox wherein death and life operate together, they dance together, and by pushing against one another to create that dialectical dance of light and darkness, death and life, we somehow come out, experience both of them without pushing away the death aspect of Erev Shabbos and without pushing away the life aspect of Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos is comprised of both parts of light and darkness dancing together, creating a middle space that cannot be reduced to light or to darkness, but rather it creates a new shape of darkness and light operating together. That is the nature of the irbuvia, of the admixture and the confusion that ascends and emerges into the mind on Erev Shabbos. Shabbos, we're told, is me'ein o'ilam haba. It's a taste of o'ilam haba. And when a person looks at the tefilos of Shabbos and the liturgy of Shabbos and the zmiros of Shabbos, what a person encounters is the sentiment that Shabbos represents the ideal way things are meant to be 
the way things were meant to remain had it not been for that cataclysmic fall that Adam HaRishon had experienced, necessarily as we've spoken about, but nevertheless he experienced. And he didn't only drag himself down into the gutter, but he dragged down the entirety of existence and history into the gutter, something which was absolutely necessary, but nevertheless is a descent away from that idealistic plane in which the world was meant to operate. Shabbos represents Gan Eden. Shabbos represents that Garden of Eden wherein everything was present to the individual. There was no need to travel outwards. There was no klala of bezeyat apecha toichalechem, that a person shall only benefit after the toil of their own arms and the sweat of their own brow. There was no confusion as to what was life and what was death. There was no doubts as to what would happen after I plant the seed in the ground, because it would be immediately apparent the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in all of our lives and everything that we have done, would do, and continue to do. But as a result of Adam HaRishon and Chava's failure, post-lapsarian, after that initial fall, we experience again this irbuvia, this admixture, where when we plant, we are no longer sure what we're going to find. Because that you might plant desiring fruits or you might plant desiring sustenance. And what you'll come to find is thorns and thistles. What that represents on a psychological or internal experience is that a person will put in all of their effort with the deep desire to find what they so deeply hope to find with their trust and their faith in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Yet nevertheless, that the world operates according to the way that it operates. And I might plant and I might just find thorns and thistles, which, which is so far from what I had expected. After Adam and Chava fail, after Adam and Chava fall, what we experience is a disparity between our intention and our results. Our intentions and our deepest desires no longer secure for us what those results are going to be. But rather we plant with the hope that things will happen, but we're filled with a doubt as to what is going to happen. Adam and Chava are kicked out of Gan Eden because we fell, because all of us fell, because this is the purpose of what it means to be a human being that to taste Shabbos alone would not be truly Shabbos. You need Erev Shabbos and Motzei Shabbos to give you a taste of Shabbos. Adam and Chava are kicked out of Gan Eden. Adam and Chava are pushed east of Eden. They're pushed out. They're exiled. They're deferred from their proper place. And in order to ensure that we don't return into that Garden of Eden, into that rightful idealistic state of things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu places the cherubim, the kruvim in front of the entrance of Derech Eitzchayim, that re-entry point into Gan Eden. And those cherubim, those kruvim have Allaha tacherav hamesapechas, a fiery and rotating sword, or a rotating fiery sword. When Erev Shabbos comes and a person begins to attempt to re-enter into that place of Gan Eden, to re-enter into that Nahar Hayoitsemi Eden, to that river that descends from Eden to irrigate the spirit that is so thirsty, that is so dehydrated. Instead of finding a clear path back, what we encounter is the Laha Tacherev HaMesapechas, that rotating fiery sword. 
that rotating fiery sword that spins so quickly to the point that it appears to be a singular and sustained wall, blocking us from entering back into that place of Kedusha. In our minds, it represents all of the Sveikos and the Bilbulim and the confusion and the anxiety and the assurance that we have in our own minds that we're not Zeichet to Shabbos, that we don't deserve Shabbos, that we're not prepared for Shabbos, that we're not going to be able to experience Shabbos, that we don't have the right to try and experience Shabbos. All of the different Bilbulim that block us from becoming Shabbos Yidim, from experiencing Shabbos in its truest form, are represented by that lahat hacherev hamesapeches, that rotating fiery sword. But what is most important to understand about that rotating sword, as our Svarim Hakadoshim point out, is that as that sword spins, it's a singular sword. It's one sword. So it's not at every point in the spinning circle at every second. But because of the rapid speed in which that sword circulates, it begins to appear as if in one fell swoop, it's a singular blockage blocking the entrance to Gan Eden. But in truth, as the person stands in the face of that lahat hamesapeches, we stand trying to re-enter, but frightened as to whether the blade of the sword is at that point of entry as we try and enter. So we begin the attempt to enter in only to retreat out of the fear that perhaps at that very moment that I try and enter in, the blade of the fiery sword is going to be there to injure me, to block me. So what we are stuck with, because we don't know where the blade of the sword is at any given moment, because it's rotating with such speed and so quickly that it appears to be one uniform blockage, we sit with a stop and go attitude. Can I enter in now? No, I can't enter in yet. Can I go in now? No, not yet. And a person goes back and forth in their soul as if perhaps now, perhaps not, perhaps now, perhaps not. And what that movement back and forth, that desire to enter and that retreat out of fear that we will be injured from trying to enter back into Gan Eden, what it gives birth to is Sveikos. It gives birth to doubt within the soul. It gives birth to confusion within the soul, to concealment within the soul. Clarity is when I know exactly what I will find. I know exactly what I am looking for. Doubt is when it is no longer clear as to what I am going to discover when I engage. Will it be A or will it be B? And the confusion that emerges within the mind, that symptom of Amalek's presence in the world, Amalek again shares a numerical value with Suffolk, with doubt, it prevents an individual from resting assured that the movement that I make now will result in the desired result. And so Erev Shabbos is the experience of that as that sword rotates and spins so strongly, blocking us from entering and re-entering into the gates of Kedusha. Now it's very important to understand that even though the Erev Shabbos experience is marked by this particular experience of Sveikos and doubt and Irbuvia, nevertheless, the Jewish people need to recognize that no matter what we're going to enter into Shabbos, whether we're zoichet to taste Erev Shabbos on Erev Shabbos or not, doesn't make a difference as to whether we're going to taste Shabbos or not. 
It's a fundamental truth that Shabbos will be felt by the soul. It's the deepest aspect of reality, that Shabbos comes no matter what. It's kviyah v'kaima. It's not up to us. Yamim tovim, mo'adim are up to our calculations. We can make mistakes or we can miscalculate. When it comes to Shabbos, it's a light that comes from above us. It's a matana tova sheyesh bebeis ginzi, as HaKadosh Baruch Hu says. It's a gift that is rooted and concealed in the deepest concealment of what I have to offer you. A gift is received whether a person is prepared for it or not, whether we deserve it or not. It is an act of chen. It is something that is given over to the Jewish people. The simple question is whether we're prepared to receive it or not. When we look at the first experience, which we'll discuss of Shabbos itself, we refer to it as Kabbalah Shabbos. Now, Kabbalah Shabbos can be understood as preparing to receive Shabbos, as if we're all ready and we're prepared and we're dressed and we're in the right mindset to properly receive a valuable guest. But there's another way of understanding Kabbalah Shabbos, as accepting the reality of Shabbos. When a person hears news that they're not prepared to hear, the psychological avoida is to be mekabelit, to receive it, to recognize that it's true. Even though I might not be prepared for it, even though it might not be aligned with my kalim at that moment, the same is true with Shabbos. Kabbalah Shabbos doesn't necessarily mean I'm ready and I'm prepared to accept Shabbos upon myself because it's all I've thought about during the week. Sometimes a Jewish person finds themselves saying, I need to simply accept the fact of Shabbos. I'm not ready for it. I'm not prepared for it, but it's a reality and I don't have a choice as to whether or not I'm going to taste it because it's here and it's present and I can't run away from Shabbos. Shabbos encloses the individual. So as much as we speak about Erev Shabbos as this makom of Sveikos, it's not chas v'shalom, a doubt as to whether we will experience Shabbos or not. It's simply whether we can cultivate within ourselves that experience of Erev Shabbos, which is the psychological state of doubts and confusion and irbuvia, which will give us a deeper taste of Shabbos. If a person is zoichet to experience, like the Kamarna said, the moichin dekatnes, that smallness of mind and the anger and the confusion and the frustration that comes along with it, then the light of Shabbos will be even deeper. But even if we don't experience any of this on Erev Shabbos, we're still ready to receive Shabbos itself. This is something in truth that I've learned very deeply from my safta, she should live and be well. Whenever I speak to my safta, who has lived a beautiful and profoundly strong life of survival and pushing forward in the face of darkness and uncovering deep levels of light, no matter what is going on, when you bring up the concept of Shabbos, there's a menucha, there's a yishavadas, there's an exhale. As my safta, I think, told me this week that no matter what happens, I receive an Hashem on Shabbos. No matter what the week has been like, I'm ready to be Makabal Shabbos. And at the moment that I light those candles, Alts is Git. Everything is good. Even if the week has been difficult, even if the concealment of the week has been overwhelming, creating the different sighs that we all have in our soul. As my Safta told me, and Amir Tzashem, I should be able to live with such an idea, is that no matter what Shabbos comes, whether you're ready for it or not, so when we speak about Erev Shabbos as a place of Sveikos, it's important to remember and very important to remember that it's not a question of whether we will be zoichet to receive Shabbos or not, 
because we will certainly be ready to receive Shabbos. Similar to what the Rambam paskins with regards to what will happen when Mashiach comes, that it's a certainty that the Jewish people will do tshuva. It's not necessarily up to Bechira or Yediyah. It's a certainty. It's a reality. The same is true with regards to Shabbos. But what we're trying to cultivate is the state of mind of Erev Shabbos that can prepare us to receive Shabbos in a better way. We stand in front of that lahat acharev hamesapeches, that rotating sword filled with doubts, filled with confusion, filled with that negative self-talk that makes us feel like we're not ready to enter into Shabbos, or the week has been so difficult, how can I accept Shabbos right now? But Shabbos is a responsibility of each and every one of us to receive, and Erev Shabbos is an opportunity to be prepared to receive it. The Ishbitzer Tzadikim point out that the reason that we were kicked out of Gan Eden was because we ate from the Eitzadas Toivira. And the way they defined, or the way they described the Eitzadas Toivira is with a language that is unique to the base medrash of Ishbitz and Radzin as Ilana Desveka as the tree of doubt, that our experience post Gan Eden, post being pushed out from our rightful place, which gives birth to that sense of being chased, which we described in the life of Cain from the Avodah Yisrael, from the Koshnitzer Magid, those doubts are a result of eating from the tree of doubt, of eating from that Ilana Desveka. But when trying to find the Makor for such an idea, that the Eitzadas Tovera is in truth referred to as Ilana Desveka, it's really, as far as my knowledge goes, nowhere else. But what we find is that in Tikkun Nun Zayin, in Tikkun Zohar, the Eitzadas Tovera is referred to as Ilana de Irbuvia, the tree of admixture, the tree of confusion, that tree where good and bad operate together in unison, which fills us with doubts as to what we're supposed to do. Because this is the animating feature of Erev Shabbos, what we encounter is what the Arizal describes as the work of Erev Shabbos. Without going too deeply, because of a restriction of time and perhaps a restriction of interest, without going too deeply into what the Arizal describes as the process in which the world elevates itself, removing itself from those sheaths and husks of impurity, of the death of the week and into the Kedusha and purity of Shabbos, what's taking place on Erev Shabbos is, there's the, is that there's an ascendance from darkness into light, an ascendance from confusion into clarity, an ascendance from the concept of klipos, from the husks of inessential reality to the pre itself, to that fruit of essence. When it comes to describing those klipos, those husks of impurity that conceal our mind, that conceal what we so deeply desire, the Arizal, based on the Zohar HaKadosh, makes a very important distinction. Based on the Maisem Merkava, based on the Nevua, that Yechezkel Hanavi was Zoycha to encounter and engage on the banks of the Nahar Kvar, that Maisem Merkava, we know that there are four levels of klipa, of constriction, of confusion, of concealment, of things that block us from encountering the purity and the essential nature of our lives. Three of those klipos, three of those heaths or husks or sheaths that conceal holiness 
are going to be referred to as the gimel kliposatameos, those three impure elements of negativity, which have no place in Kedusha. Now, can they truly be without Kedusha? Obviously not, but we're going to bracket those for tonight's class because we're not ready to discuss how to elevate those gimel kliposatameos, which the Balhatanya says is talui in the mitzvah of para aduma, that paradoxical reality where death gives birth to life and life gives birth to death. But after those three negative levels of klipa, which are irredeemable, which remain stuck in the death of the weak, there's another level, an intermediary level that rests in between Kedusha and the opposite of Kedusha, between light and between darkness, which is referred to as Klipas Noga, which is basically the intermediary level of experience where we encounter experiences in our lives where it's not clear to us. It's not clear whether this is good or this is bad whether this is light or whether this is darkness, whether this is truth or whether it's false, whether it's clear or whether it's doubtful, whether it's redeemable or whether it's irredeemable. It is the space, that neutral zone that occupies the distinct separation between holiness or mitzvos and negativity and averos and transgressions. It is a neutral plane where the human being has the ability to choose to elevate something or to allow something to become degraded. It is that plane where human volitional behavior actually determines the ontological value of something. It is an essentially traitless trait, something without definition that if I use proper kavana, I can elevate it into kadusha. And if I don't have the proper intention, then it descends back into klipa. That is that space of klipas noga, that intermediary place that rests in that neutral zone between good and bad, light and darkness. As those gimel kliposatameos, as that darkness of the weak, that yegiya of the week, that effort and that toil and that struggle and those doubts and the confusion and the foolishness and the anger and the shtus and the avodazara and all of the different synonyms for the darkness of the week begin to recognize that their time is short because they are about to die and their fires are going to be extinguished. The klipas noga, that intermediary level, which still retains a certain possibility of redemption, desires very much to ascend as holiness ascends. It doesn't want to die. The parts of ourselves that are tali va'omed, that are in suffolk, that are doubtful, that are irbuvia, good and bad working together, they want to ascend upwards with us on Shabbos. And part of Shabbos is certainly elevating those. But there's also an element on Erev Shabbos that needs to be pushed down. Part of the doichik or the dechikas hasha'a, or that kind of sense of urgency that Rav Kluger describes so powerfully with regards to Erev Shabbos is that we need to kind of make sure that darkness and negativity and klipas neiga is pushed down to remain with the death of the weak and not to enter in and pollute the world of Shabbos. That urgency of darkness trying to assault the boundaries of Kedusha 
and make their way up into Gedusha so as to pollute the experience of Shabbos with our own infantile desires and hopes and resentments and all of the different things that we're stuck in during the week, the job on Erev Shabbos is to clarify that irbuvia, is to make sure that that admixture of Erev Shabbos doesn't make it into Shabbos. And the Arizal describes that the preparation of Shabbos is very much the time and the place where we are engaged in these birurim, these clarifications where we need to experience doubts, find that doubt is truly a possibility for further clarification, and to ensure that we enter into Shabbos with our new clothing, not to enter into Shabbos with our old clothes, not to enter into Shabbos with the baggage that we've carried during the week, all of the different anxieties and sadness and brokenness and egoisms and self-obsessions that we kind of walk around with during the week, but rather to put that baggage on the side. Erev Shabbos is the time where we get to recognize two fundamental things about our experience. Number one is that the burdensome anxieties of the week are baggage, meaning to say that they are not our own. They are thrown upon us by the world, by the externality of the world, by the other people in the world. And once we recognize that our things are baggage, the next step is recognizing that we have the ability to put that baggage down. It's a frightening thought for a person because we become used to our baggage of the week. And after a while, after carrying thousands of pounds of burdensome baggage that is thrown upon us by other people, it becomes scary as to what's going to happen if I put my baggage down. What's going to happen if I let go of all the resentments and I allow myself to purify myself in the light of Shabbos? A person is afraid that they'll fall apart. But the job of Erev Shabbos is to recognize that it's baggage and we can put it down. And even though we might be uncomfortable and our arms and our back might feel strange after we put down that burden of the week, nevertheless, when Shabbos comes, we'll be zoichet to taste the taste of Shabbos. As the tzaddik from Yerushalayim, Rav Yitzchak Meyer Morgenstern Shlita points out in Yam HaChochman and Dei Chochma L'Navshecha, that the avoidah of Shabbos is learning to let go of the anger of Erev Shabbos. The avoida of Erev Shabbos, rather, is engaging and encountering that anger and that fear of letting go of our baggage and learning to let go of it. That's not a symptom, as we said, of a failure or an impossibility of experiencing things the way they should be. But rather what it is, is the very constitutive nature of the avoida of Erev Shabbos, of experiencing suffolk, of experiencing anger, of tasting of that ilana de sveka, of that ilana de irbuvya, and choosing to move forward. And how is it that we move forward? How is it that we push those doubtful places of our experience that constitute Erev Shabbos back into their rightful place of the week so that they won't bother us, they won't interfere with our experience of Shabbos. The Arizal points out a number of practical activities that a person engages in on Erev Shabbos that become symbolic and representative of this process, this psychodynamic process of clarifying good and bad, clarity and doubt, inform the very activities that people experience 
on Erev Shabbos. Cutting the nails, for example, because the nails themselves are an intermediary level, like the hair of a person between life and death. They're not quite dead and they're not quite alive. Another element that allows us to clarify these clarifications between holiness and impurity is the mitzvah of shnayim mikra ve'echad targum, because lashon hakodesh is the aspect of Shabbos, it's clarity, it's light, it's kedusha, it's everything good. And the language of the nations of the world, that fallen language, that broken language, that doesn't speak what it says, people speaking, people people speaking without listening. I'm forgetting the lyric right now from Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, anyway, but that lyric from Simon and Garfunkel is a very powerful description of that experience of people speaking without hearing, people hearing without listening. That language gets pushed away. It gets sent back down into the annals of the broken nature of the week as Lashon HaKodesh becomes ascendant and it's revealed to be truly Kadosh. The intermediary level between life and death, between Lashon HaKodesh and between the Lashon of the Amim, as Rabbi Nachman points out in the 19th teaching of Lakut Maran, is Lashon Targum, is translation as we've spoken about in the past with regards to Lagba Omer. So the avoida of Shnayim Mikra V'yechad Targum, similar to the avoida of cutting the nails on Erev Shabbos, is the avoda of clarifying that intermediary level that exists between light and darkness, between good and bad, and bringing it back into Kedusha and pushing down those things that are not valuable. Another element where a person experiences this is washing oneself before Shabbos. Is the shower a hot shower like the Arizal points out that a person has to engage in on Arab Shabbos? Because the Arizal says, as a person stands at the ready, purifying themselves, preparing their bodies and their souls for Shabbos, what we're doing is we're cleansing ourselves. We are willing to let go of our resentments. We are willing to accept the things that we cannot change with the courage to change the things that we can and to let go of that baggage, to allow that klipas noga to fall back into the death of the week so that it doesn't interfere with our experience of Shabbos. And the pasuk that the Arizal uses to describe the experience of that warm shower, that warm washing of oneself that a person is meant to experience on Arab Shabbos is a pasuk, one of my favorite psukim from Shir Hashirim in the eighth parak and the sixth pasuk. The pasuk reads as follows, Let me be a seal upon your heart, like the seal upon your hand, for love is as fierce as death. Kasha kishoyl kina. Passion is as mighty as hell. Rishpeha rishpeish shall have Its darts are darts of fire and they are a blazing flame. As we prepare to enter into the world of Shabbos, what a person begins to experience is the fear of the death of the weak, is the reality that our baggage is now going to die. And it's frightening because we have an ahava for Shabbos, but we also have an ahava for our burdens. We learn to live with our burdens and to let go of those burdens is difficult. To the point that we can say, please don't go, please don't go, I'll eat you up, I love you so. 
I'm not ready to let go of that difficulty. I'm not ready to let go of my confusion. But as a person enters into that space where they cleanse themselves for Shabbos, there are burning flames of desire. Fire on the one hand represents a difficult experience. On the other hand, there are flames of love which represent connectivity, which means that Erev Shabbos is a paradoxical space of disconnection for the sake of connection, of removal of our baggage for the sake of revealing our true selves, of letting go of those things that we want to hold on to with the deep desire that letting go of them will allow us to experience life in a new way. It's a paradoxical space that the Leshem Shalei describes so often, quoting this Pasuk, as gvuros in their sweetness, as a difficult process of letting go of the weak, of saying goodbye to the weak, because we learn to love our master. We learn to love the burdensome nature of the weak. We learn to love the confusion and the doubts that we experience throughout the week. But come Shabbos, we say that the beauty of Shabbos is so deep and so great that we're willing to let go of all of those things. We're willing to let those warm flames of water that descend upon the body, which create and make realistic within the self that paradoxical pleasure through pain and pain, pain through pleasure, that place where it's no longer clear exactly what I'm feeling. And we allow ourselves to let go of what is so difficult to let go of and enter into that place of Shabbos. Rabbi Nossin of Nimarov, in Lakute Halachos, in Hilcho Shabbos Halacha Dalid Oisei, writes as follows. This is the aspect, Zebachinas Isser Halamitas Malachos B'Shabbos. The reason that we are not allowed to engage in those 39 Malachos of Shabbos is because those 39 Malachos are rooted in lack. As the, menor, as the Me'or Enayim points out to us, Rashi says, Ma ha'olam chaser, what was the world lacking without Shabbos? It was lacking menucha. It was lacking rest and comfort. But the Me'or Enayim points out that every act that we engage in during the week, during the death of the week, is ma ha'olam chaser. It is rooted in the fact that the way we see the world is through the perspective of doubt. Shabbos is the perspective of wholeness and fullness. There's moichin of chachma, as the Arizal points out, and Ravichemeyer Shlita makes so clear for all of us. The moichin of the week, the mindset of the week is bina. It's the mindset of lack and deficiency. Maha oilam, what is the world? Chaser, it's lacking. The world of the weak is the world of lack. And because we're lacking things, that's why we engage in the Lamed Tasmalachos that emerge out as a klala from Adam Harishon's failure. Kikol hayegios shel kol halamed tasmalachos, as Rabbi Nassim says, all of the effort that we engage in as a result of the 39 malachos, all of the work and effort and toil that we need to engage in to clarify the clarifications of the doubts of the week as we enter into Shabbos are a result of a malik, of failure, of removal out of Gan Eden. Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu has promised that his chair is not going to be shalom, it's not going to be full until we get rid of Amalek. 
Humachmas elu hachilufin vahashinuyim. And as a result of these changes and the confusion and the randomness and that lehet and those doubts and that fear that emerge because ein shum davar amakomo because everything is deferred, everything is in the wrong place, nothing is as it should be during the week. As a result of that, we need to engage in the effort and the burden of all 39 malachos, which are the aspect of that you will eat the bread through the sweat of your brow. You will eat it out of despondency, out of sadness, out of confusion, out of brokenness. Because we learn all the 39 malachos out of the Mishkan. And as Rabbi Nassim tells us, the entire necessity of the Mishkan, of creating a singular place for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, is because we're not zaychet to find HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our own hearts. We can no longer find Hashem where we are. So we need to work to bring Hashem down into this world. The aspect of Chol, says Rabbi Nachman, is the Bechina, is the aspect of Shatu Ha'am Velaktu Bishtusa, of the effort and the toil that we need to engage in as a result of our mindlessness, of our anxiety. And as a result of that, we have to chase and run after what we feel is going to be our sustenance, running out of anxiety. The cold tikuno aliyade Shabbos, but the rectification to all of this is through Shabbos. Shazocha aliyade shenasa meivin davar mitoch davar. Shabbos is our ability to recognize that it is specifically out of these yigios, specifically out of pushing down this darkness, of tasting the darkness, of tasting the doubts, and entering into confusion that gives us the ability to re-enter into Kaneden with the renewed fervor, with the renewed sense of power that takes place specifically because we tasted doubt. That's the process of Erev Shabbos. That's the chaos of Erev Shabbos. That's the confusion and the sveikos of Erev Shabbos. Our job is to push down the darkness and to choose light, to choose to enter into Shabbos HaKadosh with a sense of mindfulness and presence. What we're going to discuss next week, Bezras Hashem, in the last year on Erev Shabbos, which gives us one side of the framing of the experience of Shabbos, is going to be the sense of transience. The anxiety that what I have right now will not last forever. And in spite of the fact that it looks like something that will perpetuate the pathology of anxiety, in truth, Chazal and our tzaddikim teach us that this very anxiety is what gives us the very ability, the key, to enter into Shabbos with an abandonment of the desire for things to last forever with perpetuity and the willingness to live one moment of Kedusha, the hope and the faith that even one moment of holiness is valuable. And after next week's shir, Be'ezrus Hashem will be zocha to enter into Shabbos together. This podcast is supported in part from a grant from the Hadar Institute. The music is by Zusha. The audio engineer is David Kwan. 
For more from the Chef of Podcast Network, visit our Facebook page and please subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. 